If I can invite you to remain standing for our gospel reading, which comes from Luke chapter 24, verse, starting with verse 13. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. One named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, what things? They said to him, the things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened there three days ago, but there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them that he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things, just as the women said they didn't see him. But Jesus said to them, You foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself and all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he were going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with him, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, Weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got right up and then, and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It is so good being with you all here this morning and just gathering together. And I want to take a moment to thank you all for a wonderful Holy Week and Easter service we had here at First United Methodist. Um, I don't know about you, I feel like everything just came together wonderfully last Sunday, didn't it? From the uh, flowering crosses, which I don't know how we do that and it doesn't look less chaotic. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's helped having two crosses, but uh, with the number of kids, we might have had, it would have been like a rock concert last week with one cross. Um, you know, the music, the hymns, the crowds, uh, all of the little voices in the worship service, and even the egg hunt, everything just came together so well. And so thank you to all of you who helped uh, per- to participate in that uh, by making sure that Holy Week and Easter was meaningful and, and ran smoothly. I also want to take a moment and thank those who joined us for the church work day yesterday morning who came and braved the wind and got some shrubs trimmed, some areas cleaned out, some sprinkler heads fixed, ceiling tiles repaired, you know, doing the things that we have to do normally. Um, I just, uh, just between Easter and then yesterday, appreciate everything um, and all of you who volunteer and offer your time in so many different ways here at this church, whether it's through delivering Meals on Wheels 
or teaching or singing or whatever it is. Um, that's just how we do what we do, and so thank you. So I'd like to begin this morning by taking a moment for us to uh, take some time and return to last Sunday in our scripture and sermon. Last Sunday we continued reading from the Gospel of Luke, which we have done this entire Lent. You may have noticed as we have read along that there were some portions that Luke does not include that perhaps you're used to hearing during the Easter season, especially on Easter Sunday, because often, and tradition has, that you often read the Gospel of John during Lent, especially during Holy Week, and then John's recollection or account of the resurrection. Luke differs a little bit. In Luke's writing, as we saw last week, Luke has three women go to the tomb, Joanna, Mary Magdalene, and then Mary, the mother of James, who go to the tomb early that Easter morning. And Luke is different because he also does not have the women encounter Jesus when they go to the tomb and discover that it is empty. So John's gospel, if I'm remembering correctly, the women go to the tomb and then they discover, they think Jesus is the gardener, don't they? And so they go and they ask the gardener, where have you seen or where have they put my Savior? Where have they taken my Savior? And then their eyes are open when he responds to them. But Luke is a little different. Luke is building this story. And so Luke has two men or angels appear to the women saying, why do you look for the living among the dead? And the angels remind the women that Jesus told his followers that the Son of Man had to be betrayed, he had to suffer, he had to die, and then on the third day he would rise again. And so the women, if you remember with me, had gone to the tomb prepared to encounter the dead body of Jesus and not to experience anything like a resurrection. And it was only when they heard the angels say, those words of what Jesus had said would happen to him, that they realized that what he had promised had actually happened. And so they run back to the upper room. They tell Peter and the twelve. They doubt them. And Peter runs to the tomb to see for himself, and he finds it is empty. But all Luke leaves us with in terms of Peter and the tomb is Peter saying he goes away amazed. And so last week we were reminded that God sends a message and God sent Jesus even to those who failed to, to truly listen to him and to realize that what he was saying and what he was promised was going to happen. And so rather than tossing the disciples aside, God sent his son and provided each of them the message of the resurrection so that they could carry it to others, even when at the time they hadn't listened to Jesus and really what he was saying to them. And so our scripture this morning continues with that story. Really, we pick up where Luke's reading that we read last week, it, it uh, leaves off, and we just continue. This morning's scripture from Luke 24, it's still Easter Sunday, so nothing has, has happened in terms of nighttime. It's not a new day or anything, and so it's just later on Easter day. And so the women have returned to the upper room. They've told the disciples what has happened. Peter has gone to see for himself. And now two disciples of Jesus are headed out to a small village called Emmaus. Now, modern archaeologists, if you go Google Emmaus, go ahead, you can. I mean, I'm not telling you not to. There is a belief that they may have found where the village of Emmaus is, roughly seven miles outside of Jerusalem, as Luke writes in the Gospel. And you'll see in the map, you know, Jerusalem's over here, Emmaus is over here to the left. Um, so choir would be Jerusalem in the lower right, Emmaus to the left, uh, which is backwards for everyone else. Um, and so, uh, 
All right, what was I saying? All right, so if you look and, and if you find, there are some archaeologists that think they have found where modern-day Emmaus is or where it would have been in ancient times. Of course, now it's probably built over and everything else. But these disciples are going to this, this town called Emmaus. There's also a little speculation in terms of this story. We really don't know who these followers of Jesus are. One of the disciples is named. The other is unnamed. The disciple who is named is called Clopas or Cleopas. Some tradition associates this disciple as also being Simon Peter. But that's unlikely. There's also other tradition that that says it may have been a husband and wife, meaning that, which is, um, and I think the, the belief in that is because the husband was named and the wife was left unmade, unnamed. But I think that's also inconsistent, especially in Luke's gospel, because if you look in Luke's gospel, Luke is not afraid to name women as witnesses to Jesus, is he? Luke isn't someone that, that um, does not list the women's names. I mean, he lists the disciples, which is historically accurate. But he also has the women as the ones that were going to discover Jesus first. They're the ones that discovered the empty tomb. And so I really just think it's two unnamed disciples that were traveling together. One of them is named Cleopas and the other one we don't know. And so they're walking. And they're experiencing the very events of the resurrection firsthand as things are unfolding. They're talking about what they've heard from the women who went to the tomb early that morning. They're talking about what Peter has seen when he himself made his own journey to the tomb to, to see and to, try, uh, to um, prove to see if the women and what they were saying was correct. And now these two are walking and they are discussing and they are discovering everything as they, it, they're, they're discovering it as they hear it. And so before we look too critically at these disciples, I'd like to remind you that they were just in the same vein as, as the women who discovered the tomb that morning in Peter. They had not imagined that the tomb of Jesus would be empty. They had not imagined that what Jesus had really meant when he told the disciples, the Son of Man must be betrayed, suffer, and die, so that on the third day would rise again. They had been so stricken in their grief, just as Peter and the women had been, then they had also forgotten and overlooked the possibility and the hope of what Jesus was talking when he was talking about a resurrection. And so now they're walking to Emmaus, and really what they're trying to do is just trying to put things together, I think. We've all been there when things have happened and we're just trying to process and put the pieces together, haven't we? Maybe it's a health issue with a loved one or a situation that's deteriorating or change that is happening. And in our minds, we're just trying to get it arranged. So I think that's where these disciples are at. And so they're dealing with their grief. They're dealing with their suspicion. They're dealing with their questions around what the empty tomb really means. They hadn't seen the tomb for themselves, and they had definitely not seen Jesus or his body. And so everything that they are dealing with is things that they have been told. And so Luke writes this, While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him, and he said to them, What were you talking about as you walked along? They stopped with their faces downcast. So they stopped. And Luke tells us that they were prevented from recognizing Jesus. That God was preventing them from truly recognizing who Jesus was. That God was keeping that, that recognition from them until God was ready to reveal to them who Jesus was, walking, who, who was walking with them. 
Now see, we read the story and we know what was happening, don't we? We have the benefit of knowing. We have the benefit of reading the story. We have the benefit of, of receiving this truth that has been passed on to us, both in the written word and also by people sharing the faith with one another. We know that later in the Gospels, people are going to be able to place their hands in Jesus' side, to physically touch uh, the, the holes in his hands. We know all of these things, and so it's easy for us to, to un- overlook while these disciples were unable to recognize who Jesus was. It wasn't because they weren't looking. It's because they were prevented from seeing. It's like when uh, the children's time, you know, God put blinders over their eyes. And these blinders made them spiritually blind. To where they were blind to the work of God in their lives, to where they were blind to the resurrection of Jesus, to where they were blind and unprepared for what they had heard and what they had experienced. They were spiritually blind and, and not knowing what God was, had done and what God was going to do and what God was doing. And because of that, they were unable to see. And so the two disciples, when Jesus says, what are you all talking about? Cleopas says, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that's happened here? He's a little short with Jesus. And that's because he doesn't recognize the question. He doesn't recognize the question he is answering, asking and, and who he is asking it to. Because his question, Jesus is the only person that can truly answer it. And so Jesus says what things? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us what they had seen, a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So those are the words that they said, their summary. It's incomplete, isn't it? They still don't get it. They're reporting on what they've heard. They are not reporting and are testifying to having experienced the risen Christ. They'd be able to tell what Jesus was, what had happened to Jesus, and of what they had learned. But they weren't able to testify to the work that God had done in their hearts through Jesus. So they said he was from Nazareth. They said he was a mighty prophet who who taught and did miracles. They said that his ministry was before God and all the people. They said that Jesus' ministry had integrity. They said that Jesus was betrayed and handed over for death and crucifixion. They were able to tell of what Jesus um, had done and of what had happened to the women when they went to the tomb and discovered it empty. They know the facts of the gospel, but they do not know the focus of the gospel, do they? See, we can know all the facts when we read the gospels. We can know the names of the 12 disciples. We can know how the events unfolded. We can know all of this summary of what Cleopas and this other disciple shared with Jesus as they're walking onto the road to Emmaus. But if we haven't experienced and know the true focus of the gospel, then we're also missing it. See, they knew everything, but they didn't know the final part that they needed to know. What had not happened to them yet was an experience of the resurrection. They knew everything they needed but they were still spiritually blind and their hands were in front of their eyes. 
And so Jesus is the one that summarizes and brings their summary of his life and his ministry to conclusion. He closes it, if you will, by saying, How foolish are you and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Without allowing these two disciples to see him, Jesus shared with them that he was the fulfillment of the Old Testament and that he was the one that they were looking ahead to for his coming. The Messiah, he taught them and he teaches us that the entire Bible is a story about him. The entire Bible is a story about Jesus. The Bible tells us one story. It's a story of God and His faithfulness and His love and His redemption for His people. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of crucifixion. It's a story of resurrection. See, what Jesus wanted the disciples to see and what we can take from this this morning is that every word in the Bible is designed to point our eyes towards God's relationship with us, God's faithfulness to us, and God's opportunity to grant us forgiveness through the resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the focus of the gospel, isn't it? And that's the part of the story that these two unnamed, well, one unnamed disciple, I just want to call them two unnamed disciples because it's easier. That's the... Um, the story that Cleop or the part of the story that Cleopas and friend are missing is that everything points to the story of Jesus Christ and to the resurrection. And see the beauty of it is that God does not allow the message of the resurrection to rest on just you and I telling the story and on human experience. That God has it written so that you and I can share it. We can pass it on and we can read the good news for ourselves, so that we can discover the work of God both in the Old Testament and the New and in His sending of His Son Jesus Christ and the focus of the Gospel. Luke writes that it's not until the disciples sat at the table with Jesus that their blinders were removed and they were able to see as He broke the bread. Their eyes were opened and they recognized and it's because God opened their eyes. Because God removed what was spiritually blind so that their story could be complete and they could experience the resurrected Jesus. Now see, here's where I love their story, though, is their action wasn't to sit. Because when Jesus opened their eyes and then vanished for them at the table, the Scripture tells us that instead of sitting and enjoying and experiencing what they had, and, and just... Um, you know, resting in what had just happened. Their action was to hop up and to return to Jerusalem another seven miles so that they could tell others of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because, see, friends, they had discovered what the focus of the gospel was. Yes, it was Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, it was his teaching. Yes, it was his, he was a prophet. Yes, it was uh, the, the Jewish leaders and authorities sought to, to uh, arrest him. Yes, it was he was betrayed. He suffered and died. But the heart of the gospel that they had to discover for themselves and that you and I have to remember each and every day is that Jesus' resurrection is that he lives so that you and I might live and we might love and we might change our lives according to how we feel and we know God is leading us 
to serve Him as individuals, as families, as a church, as a community. But we have to do it all with the focus of the gospel, our focus. And that's not that Jesus was a good person, but that Jesus is a resurrected person. Amen.